Say that one more time. I was on. I was on. Good morning. Colonial Woods, how are we doing this morning? Good to see you. Do me a favor. Look to somebody near you and say, it looks like spring outside. Do that, would you? Looks like spring outside. It's good. I sent a text out this morning uh, to our staff. I said, hey, first day of spring. That means in Michigan, it's only six more weeks of winter. (laughs) But uh, anyway, this morning it was crazy. It was almost like God just gave us this big curtain that came back because uh, this morning I was actually I was up at three in the morning and it was kind of raining outside. Now, by the way, I need to stop for just a second here. I need a little marriage counseling. Give me a little marriage counseling here. Uh, been married thirty-four years. On Tuesday, my wife bought a new puppy. <laughs> On Wednesday, she went out of town for three days to watch the grandkids. <laughs> So when I say at 3 o'clock this morning I was up, I was out with the new puppy. And uh, anyway, so it's kind of drizzly. No, it's fine. We like him. Uh, but uh, we're trying to come up with a name. We'll talk about it later. But anyway, we are. Uh, so anyway, this morning it was all drizzly and stuff. Then we come into church and it's like the clouds just roll back. I go, hey, spring's here. So it's just incredible to be able to come together today. If you have your Bibles, I'd love you to take them. Turn to Matthew chapter 27. Going to start a new series today. It's going to take us through Easter called alternate endings alternate endings it's how decisive moments in our life change direction and it's kind of this whole concept um, it's based on this idea of what if what if my son Wesley is a literature major is also a creativity major loves creative writing and he's always talking to me about alternate endings in movies. There's a lot of movies, they film several different endings, and then the director chooses which one they go with, and, and he's always telling me about them. Hey, did you see the alternate ending on this Marvel comic? Did you see the, ultimate, or the alternate ending? In fact, I think he's the one that introduced me to a book where you can have alternate endings. You can write your own ending to the book. And I think all of us have some what-if scenarios in our life that at critical junctures, had we decided something differently, it could have turned out much differently. For some of us, had we made a different decision, it would have turned out better. Or I've had times in my life that, man, had I come down this road quicker, I might have been involved in this accident. There's so many alternate endings, and today we want to we begin that journey as we look at some what-if scenarios in the New Testament. Now today we're going to begin in Matthew chapter 27, and we're going to take a look at a, an infamous individual in the trials of Jesus Christ, that being Pilate, who is the governor over Jerusalem. Jesus has already been betrayed, Jesus has already been de- uh, denied by Peter, and now he is going for a final kind of a, a judgment before Pilate, and it's found in Matthew 27, verse 11. All the Gospels record these events. Meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Yes. It is as you say, Jesus replied. And when he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate asked him, don't you hear the testimony they're bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply, not even to a single charge, to the great amazement of the governor. Now, was the governor's custom at the feast to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd? At that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas, 
And so when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, which one do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Christ? For he knew it was out of envy that they had handed Jesus over to him. While Pilate was sitting in the judge's seat, his wife sent him a message, don't have anything to do with this innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Which of the two do you want me to release to you, asked the governor. Barabbas, they cried. What then shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ, Pilate asked. They all answered, crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed, asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. And when Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting, he took water, he washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. All the people answered, let his blood be on us and on our children. Oh my, I don't think they knew what they were saying. And then he released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Now, there's a question that Pilate asks in verse 22, which every single one of us has to deal with. What then shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your theological background is. It doesn't matter what your church or family background is. Everybody everybody has to make a decision. What what am I going to do? when confronted with Jesus called the Christ. And it's interesting because there are a lot of answers to that, and Pilate actually exhibits three of the choices that some people try to make when they're dealing with questions about faith. The first one I notice in this passage, you'll notice, is that some people look for a compromise. They want to have Jesus and they want to have everything else. They want to have it both ways. You'll notice in this passage, Pilate wanted to free Christ, but he also wanted to please the crowd. He was looking for some kind of a compromise, and so he decided, hey, I'm going to stick with the whole program. I'm going to give them an offering of Barabbas. Nobody would want Barabbas. This guy is an instigator. The guy is violent. The guy is a problem. Nobody's going to choose Barabbas. And in so doing, he was trying to find some kind of a compromise that would appease his heart but also appease the crowd it says so when he gathered them Pilate asked which one do you want me to release to you Barabbas or Jesus who is called Christ for he knew it was out of envy that they handed Jesus over to him and can I just tell you that there that in one way or another a lot of us we want to have both sides I want Jesus. Is there a way for me to have Jesus as my, as my Savior so that my sins can be forgiven but, but still be the Lord of my own life so I can call the shots? Is, is there a way that I can compromise? Is there a way that, that I can be popular with all the people around me who, who want to slander Christ and still somehow serve Christ? And can I, can I walk that line? Can I do that in business? Can I do that in family? Can I do that in life? I, it's kind of like I'm at a divine spiritual flea market, and I'll tell you what, Lord, I'll give you this. If you give me this, is there some way that I can 
have a deal. It reminds me of one of my favorite Indiana Jones movies. I, I like them all probably, but I, I think my favorite one is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. It's the one that's got Sean Connery in it. And anything Sean Connery's in, I tend to like. Had Harrison Ford. And I always like it because the title is The Last Crusade and then they made two more Indiana Jones movies. That's just kind of how they do it in movies. But I remember that toward the end of, of the movie, they had reached their goal. They were looking for the lost cup of Christ, the Holy Grail. In their legend, it was the cup that held the blood of Christ. We don't see any scriptural evidence of that, but he did say, this is my blood when he drank. And so they were, they were looking at this chalice, so to speak. And they were trying to get out of the cavern in which this, this treasure had been stored for thousands of years. And as they're going across the crest, there was an earthquake that developed. There was a great chasm that opened up, and people began to fall into the chasm. And the one who had the cup in their hand fell, and Harrison Ford grabs the arm of this woman, and the cup is about two feet out of her reach. Some of you who saw the movie know what I'm talking about. And Harrison Ford is holding onto her arm, trying to keep her from falling into this ravine to her death. And she wanted that cup so bad. And she had to choose, if I go for the cup, I'm going to die. If I want to live, I've got to take a hold of his hand. And she chose to take his hand. But I think about that look between the treasure I want and the life that I want, and I think that models so many people. So when Jesus says, you can't have two masters, he means you can't have two masters, you can't, you can't compromise. The thing about faith is really interesting. We always talk about faith. That, that, you know, forgiveness is free. Well, it's free only because you can't buy it. And so salvation is free, but it will cost you everything. Because Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you've got to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. He basically said, it's, <laughs> you can't buy it. I've paid for it. But in order for you to have it, it'll cost you your life and follow me. Compromise. Some people choose not to choose. I don't want to choose. It's kind of like, it's kind of like the, the kid that's playing hide and seek and you just cover your eyes and you think that as long as nobody can see, if I can't see them, they can't see me, you know, that kind of a thing. And, and so that's the way we approach this thing of faith. Notice what he does in this passage. If you go down to about verse 24, it says, when Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting, he took water and he washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. Can I give you the response to that? Baloney. Baloney. In, in the Greek, it's pronounced baloney. <laughs> no, it's not. You're the judge. You hold life and death in your hands. It isn't everybody else's choice. Pilate, you're gutless. You're the leader. 
It's your responsibility. You're supposed to choose. Just because you say it's your responsibility doesn't mean it's somebody else's responsibility. And it's really interesting because on this whole thing of faith, it's, it's interesting that we treat it this way. I'm not going to choose. It's, let, me, let me ask this question. How many of you like paying taxes? Raise your hand. Enjoy it. Wrong question. Sorry. How many of you prefer not to pay taxes? Raise your hand. Legally, right? Okay, you would prefer if you could. Let's say we come up to April 15th, which for us is a national holiday, and on April 15th, you simply say, I choose not to choose. I am not sending in my tax forms. How many of you think that would go well for you? No, because here's, here's what you know. If you make a choice not to make a choice, you've just made a choice, Right? Interesting about Scripture, Scripture indicates that spiritually speaking, if we don't make a choice, we've just made a choice. John chapter 3, verse 16, a lot of people here would know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. There's two choices. Verse 17 says, For God sent his Son into the world not to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. But verse 18 is really interesting. Verse 18 says it this way, and I want you to hear it. It says, it says, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. See, we start off on the wrong side of the fence. We've been doing a whole series on Genesis, and we all start off on the wrong side of this thing. So not to choose is to make a choice to stay where we're at. And if we learn anything in Scripture, there's no such thing as neutrality when it comes to God. We can't be Switzerland on this deal. We, we've got to make a choice, and there is going to come a day when Scripture indicates the choice will no longer be ours. I, I just choose not to choose. I'm just going to ignore the question. There's a third one that I notice in this passage that, that Pilate makes that a lot of people follow. Okay, I'm going to choose, but I'm going to blame somebody else for my choice. Look what he does. I am innocent of this man's blood. It is your responsibility. I'm going to make a choice, but you forced me to make this choice. Therefore, it's your fault I made this choice. And you know what? That doesn't stand up. I love that you guys are here this morning. I love that you're watching at home. I love teaching God's Word, but I know that watching at home or here, there are some that you've made some poor choices when it comes to faith and you would say, but it's, it's somebody else's fault. I grew up in a church like this. I have parents who were like this. I, I, my mom and dad did this. The church is full of, what? Hypocrites. Or the church is judgmental. And by the way, church, my heart breaks when I hear things like that because we really ought to be the picture of who Christ is. And, and so while the gospel itself can be offensive, we oughtn't be by the way we treat people. 
And sometimes we do, we do, we, we know it. I mean, sometimes we know that we look a little bit more like a Pharisee than we do Jesus. But that being aside, that argument won't hold up when we're standing before the Lord. And I would just simply say this. I, I, man, I've got story after story. A, a man that I knew when I was young that for 22 years was so burned by a, a rift that was in a church that he, he never went back for 22 years. Toward the end of his life, he re-engaged and was re-engaging in a, a walk of faith. And I've told the story of a Margaret who when she was 17 years old, because of something a pastor said to her parents, not only did her parents totally disengage, but for 53 years, she never ever went back through the doors of a church again. She was so hurt. And by the way, I, I think there's going to be an answer before God someday of those individuals, but can I just tell you, I'm begging you, don't let somebody else's stupidness steal your soul. Christ, Christ is pursuing you, and Pilate, Pilate, made a choice and then decided, eh, I'm going to blame somebody else for it. It doesn't work like that. In fact, what's interesting to me is how many check engine lights Pilot blew by. Uh, any of you ever had a check engine light come on in your car? Some of you know what I'm talking about? One came on when our kids were younger. We had a check engine light come on, and my son said, hey, Dad, what does that check engine light mean? I said, it means 300 bucks. That's what it means. I said, I don't know what it means, but it was back in the day when you couldn't recalibrate, and, or I didn't know how to. Now, I just keep recalibrating the thing, you know. Actually, I found, it's incredible, it, it's an inexpensive fix. Uh, black uh, tape, uh, it, it just takes care of that check engine light. <laughs> and we have spiritual check engine lights that come on in our lives that God uses, and had Pilate listened to any of the four that just beaconed to him, he might have had a different scenario. For example, what if, what if he had, what if he had simply listened to his own heart? Notice what it says in, in John chapter 19, verse 12. It's in your notes. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free. But the Jews kept shouting, if you let this man go, you're no friend of Caesar. Um, every gospel writer indicates that Pilate didn't want to convict him. Pilate didn't want to sentence him to death. Pilate was trying to do everything he could to set him free, except set him free. Something in his own heart told him, don't do this. Oftentimes when I'm doing a musical or I'm coming to the end of a service, I'll talk about the fact that when I give a, a time of response that, that it's very possible that what I'm saying today is only, it, it only agrees with what God has been speaking to your heart for a long time. Uh, a few weeks ago, I, I met a young man in the back of the worship center and he said, you know, he said, ever since I've come here as a teenager he said I've told my mom so many times and he's, he's now I'm guessing late 20s he said um, it always feels like you've got a, 
a, a video recorder in our house. And he said, how does that happen? I said, oh, because I got a video recorder in your house. <laughs> and I said, no. I said, that's just the Holy Spirit. And so when we come together here, it's not about me or my eloquence. The Lord uses some really foolish toys to, to speak into people's lives sometimes. But, but, but if you believe that God has been speaking to you and what I say here just seems like it's right where it's because the Lord is pursuing you and if you just listened to the Holy Spirit what if what if he just listened what if he did just listen to somebody close to him that loved him notice what it says in this passage while he was sitting in the judge's seat his wife sent him this text don't have anything to do. I, I said text. Sorry. <laughs> okay, there's story behind that. <laughs> right now, if you're getting a text, you're probably wigging out, aren't you? I had a guy in the first hour during communion got a text. And the Lord just used it to speak into his life right at that moment when we were celebrating. That, that, isn't that neat? She sent him a message. <laughs> Today it would be a text. <laughs> Don't have anything to do with that innocent man for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream. You know, we have people who love us that have been praying for us and talking to us and beckoning us. It's a mom or a dad or a grandma or a grandpa or your kids or your grandkids have been begging, just, just saying, please, mom, please, dad, please, please, brother, please, sister, please, close friend, please, cousin, please. Uh, you've got these people in your life. They love you. They don't hate you. They love you. And they're just simply, what if, what if we just listen to one of them? What if he had just listened to the evidence? Notice what it says in this passage. Then Pilate announced to the chief priest in the crowd, I find no basis for a charge against this man. Luke chapter 23, verse 4. Every gospel records this. I don't find any evidence. I don't find anything. The evidence, okay, listen, if you're not going to listen to the Spirit of God, you're not going to listen to the people close to you, then just listen to the evidence. Dr. Hutch and I this last week spent several lunches together, and we began to talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And can I just tell you, without getting into all the details, that one of the greatest historical evidences in the world is that on Easter, original Easter morning, the tomb was empty. It is one of the, beyond a preponderance of evidence, it is, it is, it is absolutely espoused to. And by the way, there is tremendous evidence that it completely changed the life of the disciples. Throughout history, I realize people have made foolish choices and used Christ for their own gain. But over the course of history, we have overwhelmingly seen the fruit of the gospel transforming into lives. 
what if I just quit? You know what? I believe in science and I believe in history and I believe just be honest with the evidence. Or what if he just listened to Jesus? Every single gospel author, every single one, Jesus Jesus responds to Pilate when he says, are you really the king of the Jews? And Jesus responds to him, yeah, I am. The words of grace coming from Christ, just the the evidence in Christ's life itself, just speaking to him, what if, what if, what if he'd have listened to any of those, it it would have changed so many things. You know what's interesting? Those who choose Christ choose so because they believe he's the answer to life. Not just biological life. Rarely does it mean longevity of life, but, it, but significance in life. And you can't change the past. How's that poem go? You cannot go back and change the past, my friend, but you can start today and have a brand new end. What if? It's got to be probably 17 years ago now, give or take. We were at the end of a service. It was one of those services that I just, I really believe God was working in people's hearts, gave a time for people to respond. Nobody responded and it used to be that used to really I mean it's not that not that I enjoy it but it's it used to be I took that personally then I realized yeah this isn't between me and you this is between you and the Lord I mean it's his deal right I mean altar time isn't my responsibility it's his But I just knew God was working in people's hearts. So at the end of the service, I closed and I said, hey, I just want you to know, I I just think God is moving. I'm going to stay up here. I sat down. The stage didn't look like this then, but I I sat down somewhere up here and I just waited. People are walking out. Little by little, people start coming forward. And there was one guy by the name of Brian. And I watched him come in the back door and just got down on his knees. And uh, I went over and started talking to him and said, hey, what's, what's the Lord speaking to you about today? And he said, I almost made it out of here. He said, I was sitting in the back and back, we had pews back then. And he said, I was I, I, when you were talking, I was holding on to that pew with every. That's why we put chairs in so you couldn't do that anymore. <laughs> and he said, my, my knuckles were white. I was just, I just was not going to respond to this. And he said, as soon as you prayed, he says, you weren't even done praying. And boom, I was out the door. And I went out and got in my car. And I waited for my family to come. And he said, my family came out with my kids. And he said, we started to drive out. And he said, I drove right by these doors. And he said, and I stopped right here. And I put, I put my car in park. 
And he said, I told my family I had to come back in. And I'm here. And I'm tired of fighting him, and I just, I just, I want to just surrender. And, and that day, in a moment of what if, he made a decision that affected his life, his family's life. What, what if he'd have just driven out? What if he'd have just ignored the check engine lights? This isn't a hard sell, but what if, however God's been speaking to you, you just said yes? Father, today I want to thank you that you pursue us far more than we pursue you. And frankly, you hold on much more than we hold on to you. And this morning, Lord, um, I, I would say, dare say, there could be all kinds of responses, but here's what I would say, Lord, is you're speaking to me and I'm not going to say no anymore. I say yes. You got me. I'm not going to waver. I'm not going to, I'm not going to try to make a deal. I'm not going to blame everybody else. This is me and you, and this is my eternity. This is my walk. This is my life. I, 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 I just simply, your check engine lights have been going off for a long time, and I, I just want to say uh, yes to you and so maybe you're here and you you've never stepped across the line of salvation you might want to just simply say this Lord I need you and I believe that you can forgive me and I say yes and I I'm, I'm all in take everything that I am I'm here change me and conform me into the person you want me to be and I know that's going to mean some some changes in my life but Lord I'm I'm tired tired of walking away from what you're asking me to do and so I, I say yes or maybe it's something like that and this morning heads are bowed and eyes are closed and you just want to say Lord I am right now in this moment I am responding to what you're speaking to me about you just want to raise your hand you can look me in the eye if you like to you'll probably see me smiling at you yeah that's great that's good that's great yeah, that's good. That's good. One, one courageous step. One courageous step. I'd be honest enough with myself to acknowledge it, humble enough to accept it, courageous enough to make a choice. Anybody else? Yeah, that's great. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, thank you, sweetie. Yeah, that's awesome, bud. And so, Father, that physical gesture is, um, it's, it's scary. But it's a step acknowledging that I'm asking you to do this in my life. 
Now we're going to close in just a little bit. I am not changing the deal. I, this, is, this is still between you and the Lord, but we have prayer partners that are going to come up this morning. And as the Lord has been speaking into your heart, or maybe about something else you didn't even respond to, but I, I wonder if you would allow us simply to bear testimony to what God did in your heart just now and just simply pray with you. Now, if you say, no, that's not part of the deal, that's between you and the Lord, but I would just simply say this. It is amazing that when we make a courageous stand, how the Spirit of God seems to meet us in that moment in a unique way. And so we're going to be here just simply to pray and encourage you. Thanks, Lord. We love you. What a day. We feel like we've just been basking in your presence. We thank you today. In Jesus' name. Amen.